Welcome back to Nick Flanagan Weekly, the show that'll make you smile. Welcome back to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I know it's been a while, well that's okay. Because the day is just beginning. We have started anew. When the thing happened where Twitter's name was changed to X, everything reset, our lifespans were extended, anything that happened before doesn't count. Hi everybody, welcome. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am here. And yes, there is a fan on in the back room, back ground, okay? There's a back room, background fan on because it's hot where I'm at. These have been boiling hot days here at the beginning of September in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and all over the world, let's face it. Toronto is far from the center of the world. The center of the world is, uh, I suppose, a core that is uh, hotter than anything we could ever even understand. So, uh, yes, it's hot here, but it's not the center of the world. And for anyone who is living in the center of the world, I am sorry. You are not alive. Even if X reset everything, you were then instantly burned by the Earth's melting, flaming, white-hot core. And I hope your core is good, though, for everyone who isn't actually in the center of the world. I hope you have been getting your core strength up. up. These are wild times where both gut health and uh, uh, strength that comes from our sternum and sac- sacrum is, is heavily important. This is me, I'm Nick, uh, uh, not weekly, almost weekly, thrice monthly-ish, uh, try my best, try my best here. End of August, confusing time. The, I, I really feel like end of August is very similar to end of January. Uh, sorry, end of December. End of August is very similar to end of de- December, uh, last week of December. Right now, the new fiscal year is starting in September, much like the new year starts in January. So we're in this week where we're just like, wow, what are the changes I can do in the new fiscal quarter? How will I uh, take advantage of Labor Day sales and then flip the items that I've purchased at the Labor Day sales in order to make big money deals. Guess what I'm going to do? Have some vitamin D. Yep. Yep. That was two drops. I was doing four drops for six months. Now I'm at two. Because uh, my vitamin D was non-existent. Hopefully all the sun and fun I've been getting with sunscreen on. Baz Luhrmann, the famed director, did a song where he says, you got to put on your sunscreen. And you know what? I don't watch his movies, but I listen to his words. That's I'm like that with Kevin Smith. I'm like that with Baz Luhrmann. And I'm like the opposite of that with Quentin Tarantino. I don't know. Tarantino's a whole other bottle of wax. And you know what you need for a bottle of wax? One of those little spoons. It's the only way to get that wax out. I have been in so many different forms of energeticness 
since we last spoke. Sometimes it's been right back to not having any and just needing lots and lots and lots of rest. Um, I don't know why that is. These are weird times. Sometimes if you're on medication, you need rest. Sometimes if you're depressed, you need rest. I, I don't know which. I don't know which. But uh, I've also had energy. I'm also doing such a large number of different things in order to keep the lights on. And I think it was starting to really get to me. Especially because just creatively, it's, uh, it's been hard to get in a flow. And that totally mirrors just being able to get a, in a flow in general as well. Like, I just haven't been able to have a brain space to figure out how to get organized. And of course, that coincided with the ADHD coaching ending, my, my portion of having ADHD coaching. So if you do have ADHD or organizational problems and you can access stuff like that, I recommend you do. It, uh, I wouldn't say it was revolutionary for me. I don't think anything is actually particularly revolutionary. I think it's all about just forming good habits. But uh, it definitely kept my eyes a lot more on the prize, having those uh, resource access, those resources accessible. But whatever, I'm making it work. I cut down a couple of things, so hopefully September, October, and into the new fiscal year, my freaking brain for hammering out the funny stuff, the interesting stuff, that stuff you like. We'll be running at full force, and oh, you'll hear so much from me. Speaking of hearing from me, I uh, need to tell you about a show that's happening. I'll tell you about a few shows, but the main one is that friend of the show, friend of the guy, me being the guy, uh, Dave Hill, who is so funny, so clever, so singular and unique. Great comedian, excellent musician, and a really good writer. Dave Hill, his, he has a new book called The Awesome Game, which is about um, hockey and his adventures exploring hockey in the uh, across the globe, where he was lucky enough to get to go to like Africa and check out hockey, and he went to Edmonton and everywhere in between, or at least some places in between. Dave Hill, we've talked for years about this, trying to get a Toronto show going. We finally will be performing together in Toronto. Dave will be performing in Toronto. He's Mr. Dave Hill on his uh, social media, and you can look into that. This is going to be October 19th at the uh, Monarch Tavern, a place I hang out at a lot, a place where the guy who uh, runs the booking of shows is named Dan Burke who I have a lot of history with, one of Toronto's OG promoters. Um, you should look into Dan Burke. There is an episode of the Danko Jones podcast that I co-hosted, and uh, we, inter we talked to Dan, and that's a great starting point. He's also on a, a, like a, a documentary about cocaine in Montreal. I can't remember the name. It's called like Kings of Coke or something. They all have names like that. Anyway, Dan handle stuff at the monarch and we'll be doing this show at the monarch it's, the, it's october 19th a thursday 
the link will be in my um, Instagram. If you go to, if you look up the event, Dave Hill McFlanagan, you'll find the tickets you can buy. Uh, but also, um, if you go on social media, you can find that too in my various social medias and Dave's. He's currently touring uh, with uh, Tenacious D, opening for them. So you'll be able to see a real arena show if you come out to see Dave and I with uh, Tim Gilbert and a band called Only God Forgives, who are really good. So that's October 19th at the Monarch in Toronto. And hopefully we'll have a few more Ontario, maybe even Quebec dates uh, over the next while. And I would love to perform in your town if you'll have me. I do stand-up comedy. I have two albums, Wiped Privilege, and I'm here all week. They're old as hell. I like them, though. But it's time for me to do a new one. End of summer partying. There were I, I got to do some of my um, summer... Uh, what would you call it? Activities that I've been wanting to do all summer that I hadn't gotten to do since we last spoke. The first one was seeing a large outdoor concert. Not a festival. No, I would never. But uh, a large outdoor concert at a venerable venue by the water here in Toronto. It's called the Budweiser Stage. For me, it will forever be the Molson Amphitheater because that's just the name I'm used to. It's on the water. It's, at the, it's attached to this place, Ontario Place, which is a great green space that's in that used to be a theme park and they're trying to like our snaky government is trying to put up some fucking bougie bullshit there pardon my fancy and uh, buying a ticket when something called the Canadian National Exhibition is happening buying a ticket to a concert means you get to go into the Canadian National B Exhibition better known as the CNE or the X for free. What is the CNE? You may ask, or you may not. Maybe you're saying, I don't care. Well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you anyway. CNE has been going on since at least I was a child. It's basically like a Kearney County Fair kind of thing. But it has elements of like a world fair. You know, there's a Large building filled with farm animals. Nobody really knows why. I went there with my friend Eli. It was his birthday. It seems like it's all sponsored by milk. <laughs> it's like Canada's milk industry is just being like, here are the cows we milk. Check them out. They had a, a duck race. I don't find that ethical at all. But I'm not going to do some PETA stuff and just release all the animals into the X. There's carnival games. At the concert I was at, I ran into my friends Tom and Rodrigo, and they played one of those games where you have to throw balls into holes, and then these little horses run forward if you get it in the hole. They came close to winning. Did I play? No. Did I eat a corn dog? Yes. There was a pickle-flavored corn dog. That's that's the new uh, angle. This fair, the Canadian National Exhibition, is has gone towards is uh, wild food. You know, they'll have like 
There's cheeseburger flavored ice cream. You want that? Yeah. You want to pay money for that? Uh, no, Peg. No. Pickle was a big flavor. Found out after the fact there's a pickle flavored corn dog. I'd love to try that. What would that flavor taste like? Pickle, I guess. Anyway. Uh, then there was like a beer garden, but it was all zazzed up. It was Izakiah. Maybe Korean style, I don't really know. There was soju shots, Sapporo. There was an EDM DJ playing. This was after the concert. And we're like there, relaxing. Suddenly there's a drone show behind us. These drones all have lights on them and they're rotating. And Wow. And then you're at this fair and it's just like all these people you don't normally see. You know. They don't seem like city folk. They're all wandering about. They're hot. They're sweaty. They're eating all kinds of things. Their kids are crying. These are the people we must reach with our politics. <laughs> yeah, so the X was fun. It feels good to buy a ticket to something and then get in there for free because it's they really reduced the admission anyway. You can buy like a ticket for two for like fifteen but dollars, but I don't want to just hand people money so I can go into a grounds that over the course of the year is accessible to me for free. But when it's combined with a ticket to the Smashing Pumpkins, oh, I'll go to the X with, with my birthday friend. This is the second time I saw the Smashing Pumpkins, and the first time... I actually, uh, I probably, I think I talked about it here, so I, I won't go too into into detail. But uh, if you listen to the long ago episode that probably has insane audio, where I talked about Smashing Pumpkins and seeing them in 2018, it was an arena show that one indoors. That show was great. They were only playing music from their first like four or five albums. James E. Hodge, Jimmy Chamberlain were in the band. It was definitely the show that reawakened me to the idea that Smashing Pumpkins frickin' rock, eh? And that Billy Corgan, for all his odd personality quirks and at times repellent interviews, is a hell of a musician. And James E. Ha is very charming and he always has been. So this time, how was it? Honestly, it was great. They were playing new stuff as well this time, but played a lot of the old shiznit, and they made it sound, it sounded great, and you're outdoors, and I've got to be seated. Well, we stood up when they were playing, but I mean, I, I, there were seats I could sit in for, you know, which is always fun, and it's fun to sit. And... I have to tell you, it was it was worth the admission. So, if you're on the fence about seeing Smashing Pumpkins, I do it. Go see them. They'll probably play a couple songs you really like, if not way more. 
We'll shred on the guitar. There was a good light show. Interpol opened. Remember Interpol? Oh, remember Interpol? I kind of don't. And that's no knock on Interpol. It's just that when the whole Interpol strokes thing was happening, I was like, I don't know, I was off doing punk stuff. And uh, the whole, like, accessible post-punk wire-influenced rock bands with pop catchy edge uh, took a special one for me to like. I obviously understand why people like the Strokes. I'm fine with the Strokes. They're cool. Interpol just kind of, like, shot by me. Franz Ferdinand shot by me. What was the name of that band? There was... There were all kinds of go team shot by me fiery furnaces i kind of liked fgmt i kind of like remember all this shit that's an era that right now is in the in-between phase you know kind of like how grunge was for a minute in like the the early 2000s until like 2010 it wasn't as it wasn't the classic rock that it is now. And I, I feel like, don't get me wrong, people were into Interpol. They did their job very well. They locked into some good moments for sure. But I just feel like they're not getting like named check. I'm not hearing that many new bands that sound like them. Like I'm hearing that many new bands. But, you know, when is that era going to come back? In like 2030? We'll be choking on the last bit of the Earth's oxygen. And that's when, like, you know, you have the Interpol reunion tour. Sold out Wembley Stadium. Headlining Primavera Fest 2042. I also watched, uh, so that was a bucket list moment. Not a bucket list of things to do before I die, but a bucket list of things I kind of wanted to do in the summer is it's nice to go to a big outdoor concert at a familiar venue. You know, I'm not crazy about going to these big shows, but if I know the venue and I know how it's going to be, and it's especially that particular venue, going to one of them, bam, I'll do it. Especially if you got the Canadian exhibition and the... Other thing I did that I was hoping to do to the, for the summer, before summer's end, and summer's not over, by the way. F that. I don't care if the end of summer is in September. Summer still goes on if it's hot October 1st. You know? If I can wear my sleeveless, summer. And I can wear my sleeveless this boiling hot week. I went to the beach with my man Ace, part of the Not Dead Yet crew. We help out with all the Not Dead Yet promoted shows in Toronto just yesterday. Nox Novacula performed, and they were very good. But I went with my friend, homie Ace. He'd never been to Toronto Island before. That's where we went. Toronto Island, my home away from home. As you know, I've recorded some... As all of you know... I've recorded uh, 
episodes at the Artscape Center there, which I will be getting to in a moment. And I got to walk Ace through the history of Toronto Island. How it was created because there was an eroding portion attaching the city of Toronto to this island. So they blew up that land and then made it so you had to take a ferry over there. How people built cottages on the beach and a little town formed. How Babe Ruth hit his first home run there. How there was a lighthouse where the lightkeeper... J.P. Rademuller was murdered and allegedly haunts the grounds. Got to tell him all that. Then we landed at the clothing optional beach. And with the heightened state that the city has been in and the stress that just seems to permeate every pore of Hogtown, I thought to myself, well, the first place that's going to become a den of anarchy will be this nude beach. It's been in the past. It's also a very lovely place. So when the vibe is right. And lo and behold, the vibe was right. We went the day after Labor Day. It wasn't that busy. It, there were a bunch of people there, but it was just mellow. I did not take off any of my pants. Nor did Ace. But we weren't two clothed guys acting creepy. We were just chilling. Just chilling, having a nice time. We had one alcoholic beverage. I took a sip. I dipped my feet in the water and I felt good. So I made it to the island and I showed him Artscape, the wonderful converted schoolhouse that is an artist residence now and is in frickin' danger. That's what I'm getting to. Dun dun dun. The, uh, there's a company called Artscape. They started in the 80s. They got like art, they got funding, they bought a bunch of buildings, they offered like uh, low cost housing for artists, they offered uh, res a studio space for people to work in, and you know, they also uh, took control of this former schoolhouse and made it a artist residency with like a little portable that you can stay in and record music and gear around studios for some people. This company, Artscape, though, bought, I don't know what happened. They bought too much property, and they went into receivership. They owe too much money to their creditors, and it's now all these properties have gone to their creditors. So all of these things seemingly are in grave danger, including my heart, my favorite, Artscape Gibraltar Point. I am concerned. This is foolishness, that it had to come to this. This is what happens when we get certain types of monopolies, when we get this split social, uh, an attempt at fusing socialism and capitalism that Canada seems to pride itself on. Fucks up. You get some nonprofit that's commercially minded. They become the only game in town, and they don't know how to manage all the property. And by the way, their prices... They were good for Artscape Gibraltar Point, but a lot of things were just normal price that they were doing. So it's possible that Artscape could somehow go into the hands of like debtor, debtors, like debt collectors and creditors, and who knows what they'll do. Turn it into a freaking Quiznotes. 
but I don't think that'll happen with Artscape, Gibraltar Point. I think too many people care about it, because I'm not the only one. But it's bigger than them. There's employees and all kinds of people with all the Artscape stuff who are very concerned about being paid, who are very concerned about what their job is going to be. This is a disaster. So, if you know anything going on with it, movement, uh, social movement <laughs> that is happening with this, let me know. If I find out something, there is a, uh, a an open letter you can sign if you look up Artscape Workers, um, and you care to. And uh, we do have a mayor in charge who might care about these things in Toronto. Not to get into municipal politics. But look, we need these art spaces. And this is the thing I was talking to about a place that's like half, you know, oh, the government's going to give us art, and then half, like, unaffordable and uh, privatization. Because the U.S. doesn't have that mentality. And it's all... Not all, but there's a lot of um, need for private money and donors in this type of thing. Not We need that here, too. But I just think in the big cities, New York, L.A., Chicago, these kinds of places, and probably throughout the U.S., um, private people, citizens subsidizing the arts is more common, especially in a place like Los Angeles where everyone a lot of artists have money suddenly. So I hope and pray that that culture can at least prop up some of the art scene in uh, this city and any other city because if the government could do it right, that would be great. That would be what I'd prefer. But I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. And we got to save some of these spaces. Thank you for letting me talk about that. What else? I don't know. I did a weird thing. You know, you know, I go out and I buy things thrifting. Today I sold a Hunter Thompson Gonzo fist shirt. Thank you people thank you society for still liking Hunter Thompson because that meant I could sell this shirt but the other thing that I bought that I haven't sold yet you know I buy DVDs I have some sort of idea that DVDs are going to be a major hot item in the future when streaming blows up I bought 9-11 a tribute to heroes and no it's not a 9-11 documentary that would be extra questionable if I bought that. I mean, it's questionable that I bought this to resell anyway, but this is like that benefit concert that happened in 2002 or late 2001. It's like a telethon. All the celebrities present the next act. I'd completely forgotten about it, but it was a very big deal when it happened. Where were you when the 9-11 benefit was performed? Hopefully right in front of your television watching it. But it's really interesting because you're seeing, like, you know, uh, all the celebrities answering phones. So you've got, like, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell, and they're next to Sylvester Stallone, and there's uh, Sandra Bullock or Cameron Diaz, and then there's James Woods, of all people, and Frasier. 
aka Fraser Crane. <laughs> Neil Young's performing Imagine. <coughs> Billy Joel's performing New York State of Mind. It was weird as hell. I watched the whole thing. Faith Hill performed. Really brought me back to the heady days of 2002. When I was discovering, when I was really, really invested in new rap music. I don't think there was like... Oh, Wyclef performed a redemption song by Bob Marley. Yeah. Later, he would then go on to seemingly defraud his home country of Haiti after a natural disaster and then try to run for the president. He's got some issues. But there's a Fugees. Fugees. But Fugees. You know what I mean? Refugees. Fugees. Fugees. Refugees. I'll pronounce it Fugees. I'm just saying. There's a Fugees reunion happening. As long as they play nothing from their first album, Blunted on Reality, I'll be happy. I'm blunted on... Blunt. Wyclef. Wyclef could, should collaborate with that guy I've been talking about the last couple episodes, Oliver Anthony. You know, rich man, north of rich man. He came out, I think I talked to, I don't know if I talked about it last episode. I, I don't think I did. He wound up di disavowing somewhat the right wing. Just like I said it was. He's just some guy who has like a bunch of disparate, odd opinions. They played his song at the Republican primary debate. And he got interviewed and he was like, I don't, I think it's funny they played it. I, I was talking about them in that song. They're the fat cats. He's like the Lil Nas X of the right. Like Lil Nas X, everyone was like, yeah, he's the rap country guy. He took over the rap charts. Everyone's like, cool. And then he's like, I'm gay. And then a lot of the people were like, yeah, we love that our uh, rap... Oh, this is confusing. Not that hip-hop has too much homophobia, but... Anyway. It's been known to occur in songs. But it's much more progressive now. And I'm very happy about that. Anyway, Oliver Anthony is like was like a Trojan horse. And then they say he was at Bur one of, he's one of the people who's trapped at Burning Man. Burning Man is happening. There's a flood. All these people are in big trouble. They don't know what to do. Things can't burn if there's a flood. It's just how it works. And Oliver Anthony's over there holding on to his guitar like it's a life preserver. And his giant red beard is making it, probably helping him float. And these are just some of the, th and he might have one of those big 10-gallon hats, and that's probably helping him float too. And then all the right-wing politicians, like the talking head ones, and, and talking heads, 
like uh, Ben Shapiro, Marjorie Green. She's uh, they're like saying how everyone's so dumb at Burning Man, and it's funny that they did this, and it's like, dude, half the people at Burning Man have politics that kind of crisscross with yours. Why are you calling them dummies? You're losing votes. So please continue to call them dummies. I don't think you're a dummy necessarily if you go to Burning Man. But if you paid for it... You're silly. Folks. I'm going to head on out. Mosey, mosey on down. I will get you the next episode. Sooner than later. You're wonderful. I hope your September is starting great. Like I said, if you want, if you're in Toronto or you are near Toronto and you want to see Dave Hill and I, that's October 19th. I dream of being able to perform around the world, but that's not going to be too soon. Playing again, weekly. Get some sun on your face. Nick, playing again, weekly.